welcome. My name is Timp. I'm Dante. <laughs> and I'm Murphy Durfee. And this is Gomo, a link to the past randomizer podcast. Uh, fellas, I had something I wanted to um, something I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. All right. So I was uh, trying to join the Discord channel for us to record this podcast, which we <laughs> named Hosts. I was looking for that and I wasn't able to find it. And then I noticed that the two of you were already in a voice channel and it was called SGL staff was it? STL admins something well, no. like that. So it used to be called go mode podcast and that's where we record something called a go mode podcast. And, right. and uh, I renamed it to speed gaming live because Herf and I had to have an emergency meeting <laughs> of the minds. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I, you know, I must say my approach was to come into this and, and, uh, give you some guff for doing that. But the fact that I couldn't remember the name of the channel itself kind of disarms me from being able to come up <laughs> with that approach. So consider me uh, thoroughly neutralized in this situation. I forgot it is called go mode podcast, not hosts. Our, our text channel is called hosts, mm-hmm. but the channel where we record this is usually called go mode podcast. And you're allowed to do whatever you want in here, obviously. Well, thanks. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad we're allowed. <laughs> I mean, you know, mm-hmm. voice channels are a dime a dozen these See, days in what the Discord Temp is saying world. I'm is, honored that you would hang out in, in the one that we usually use. Tim is saying, you come into my server, my <laughs> server, and you do your SGL stuff here? No, that doesn't fly. That's what, that's what I got out of that. No, no you're, it is absolutely allowed as long as you uh, <laughs> invite Tim as well, so he gets all the tea that he can possibly get. That's it's what really I got the, out of that. Exactly. It's the best of both <laughs> worlds where I don't have to be in the boring meetings, but I can just come in at the end of them and be like, so what'd you decide? Mm-hmm. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> so now I, uh, I very much like, like I said, I'm honored that you would hang out in our uh, channel to do all that stuff. So how's it, how's it all coming along? What, what's the latest in, in STL world for the two STL admins here? Um, well, I would say it's going smoothly so far. We are having a few slight hiccups in the top 128 bracket right now. Uh, due to some scheduling problems, people are like out of town until next Tuesday and stuff like that. So one little branch of the bracket is being held up a little bit, but we've talked to all the people involved and they're willing and able to schedule relatively quickly in succession. And it shouldn't be too bad. Plus we calculated in some buffer. So the top 128 are going pretty swell. I'd say we're uh, hang on. I'll give you a live update as far as the reported matches goes. Uh, we're currently yeah. at 175 out of 208 matches played. And reported nice. on uh, on Smash GG, that's eighty four percent of all the matches in the top one hundred and twenty eight. Uh, currently, there's a couple of matches being played, and there's a ton of matches on the schedule, which we love to see. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we should be fine as far as the deadlines are concerned. We're uh, we're biting on nails a little bit as far as how well the top thirty two bracket will work out, but. Uh, well, by the time this podcast is released, you probably already saw the announcement that we will probably have released, maybe. <laughs> I hope the announcement gets approved because yep. it's it's literally a draft as we stand right now. But basically, we're looking at trying to get some dates as, uh, I guess, like, you know, those 
cutoff points of what's what's expected of players during that nine day speed gaming live event. But uh, just to make sure everything goes as smoothly as possible and, you know, we don't have to accidentally make somebody play five games in one day or something stupid like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's going to be pretty tight. Let's put it like that. There's going to be nine days to play all your matches and especially on the losers bracket side, it's going to be pretty tight. And uh, we we also have to adhere to a couple of, you know, frameworks that just the event sets for us like the grand finals and the possible bracket reset having to be on the on the last day of the event because that's the big Sunday and it's been like that from the start. All the big grand finals are there and uh, it's going to be like that this year as well. So we need to be done by that and we need to possibly have two matches thanks to the bracket reset on that set Sunday. Hmm. So one of the things that separates the SGL tournament from others is the uh, insistence that all of the participants have a webcam. Have have there been any kind of fun hijinks that have come about from people's uh, webcams as, as they played? Uh, a couple, I guess. Uh, I mean, I posted one in our host channel, I think, yesterday. Yeah, that was the one I wanted to, you to talk about. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> so I was sort of in the loop on this one, but I didn't think it would actually turn out this way. <laughs> so uh, a while ago, the lane started talking about uh, how his background is kind of boring and he doesn't really have anything to show. And then someone else, I think Jim maybe suggested he should put pictures of me in the background. And uh, he ended up digging out old pictures of me from SGL 2019 and photoshopping my face on giraffe necks and printing them all out in color at work and uh, putting them on the wall behind him. So unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, he didn't get a restream, but Ah. you can clearly see in his (laughs) VOD that uh, my face my giraffe face, so to speak, is plastered all over the wall behind him. And I'm thinking yeah, I think, it'll stay like that for the rest of the tournament. I hope so. I think the best part of it is I, I didn't see this, any of the stream itself, just the screenshot, like you said, that you shared in our in our host channel. But his face is just so like regular, like just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, any any other day. And like there's all of these like pictures plastered behind him. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good picture. I agree. Yeah. Um, so uh, SGL overall so far, it sounds like it's been going pretty good. Anything else you guys want to say on the topic? We kind of switched around the order a little bit in our in our notes here. But um, any yeah. other thoughts on SGL? No, I think we covered it all pretty much. Uh, the announcement, I uh, I don't know, assuming it has come out in some sort of shape like we suggested it. Uh, I apologize for things being so stressful for the people that are taking part in this, but it, it's kind of yeah. what it has to be. We we really have no choice. It's yeah. kind of it kind of is what comes with the double elimination format. And we didn't just want to do best of ones because of all the variants and all this stuff in rando. So this is the best that we could do for this year. Cool. All right. Well, in that case, we will move on to what we were going to start the show with, which is a uh, another announcement by the Racing Council. 
<laughs> so I did, you know, I could have just like spliced in the silences uh, in editing, but instead I decided to actually sit here for the amount of time that the stinger plays. Oh, uh, um, I thought that was for the stinger. Like, I it guess was it, for the oh, stinger. okay. All right. Well, hello, but stinger. No nice nice to, to see you again. <laughs> um, <laughs> no need for me to make, make you guys sit through that in real time, yeah, but I did it um, anyway. So. But yeah, um, um, we did. We did have an announcement. I'll, I'll, I'll just go through it real quick. We, we as a council, unanimously banned all voice calls on competitive uh, recordable races on racetime.gg. Kind of spawning from that, there is a new category that you can race in called voice call. That is like the goal when you set the room up and you are allowed to be in a voice call for that. Um, this just kind of adds more, I guess, accountability on... The other races, uh, you know, there was a lot of there's a lot of stuff we, you know, we put in uh, our clarification that you can see in the Racing Council news, uh, I guess, channel on the main discord. But um, we, we felt like this was a, a much needed change, um, all things considered. Yeah, more of a, a, a clarification and a ruling. Because this is something that's we've talked about it many times on this show, um, even as recently as last episode, the effect that having a spectator or somebody in a voice call can have on you while you're racing um, and and how it can influence your decisions. So uh, we basically the three of us don't really care to like get into this right now, but we did talk about it a little bit before the show proper and we were recording. So uh, I kind of summed up how I felt about it and her made a point. And honestly, I'm just going to drop that bad boy in right here so you can hear it. Well, I think we can just start by saying like we've talked about this many times. Let's just all agree and not debate that like being on a voice call with someone means that you put yourself in a situation where you could get, you know, outside help to help you get through the seat or whatever. Uh, and that's not up for debate, you know. So with that in mind, I don't see any problems with this this ruling, you know, like I have nothing really to say about it other than like, yeah, it makes sense. The only thing I will say is like, you know, this is another example of kind of the the divide that's being created between like those who are really good at the game and competitive and want to compete to be the best versus people who compete casually. And I think for the like casual community, this is a, a bit of a blow because they're used to being able to do ladder and things like that while they're on voice calls. Now that's not an option and that it shouldn't be an option because of the, you know, keeping things competitive and fair in an environment where that's very hard to do with this game. But it's just the price that you pay and it's it's an evolution. And that's kind of where we are now. And it, it is what it is. Uh, the only thing I think we should add as a point there maybe is uh, I feel like people are ignoring this purposely, but you can still make voice call races. Like if yeah, you, it's we, we've like added a category for it. Yeah, but. like not. It's not like you can never ever again race ALTTPR or play ALTTPR with being in a voice chat. You just can't do it where you shouldn't have done it before. Let's put it like that. Right. Um, so that's that. And Dante, or if any, or Herf, you know, if you guys have any final thoughts on that, you can throw them in here. But otherwise, I mean, I'm good to just move right on along. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's keep it moving. Cool. All right. Thanks, Tuesday, Tim, for uh, keeping us on schedule. Uh, so ALTTPR League Season 4. 
just wanted to circle back real quick and mention my game four or week four game um, against Chelsea Lynn. It was casual boots. I said on the podcast, I was almost positive. There was no way I could win. And yet somehow, some way I, I pulled it out and I actually did win that race. And the whole thing, I was on webcam. I had a friend of mine with me as discussed and uh, just absolutely popped off and he was, you know, uh, absolutely tickled. So the whole thing was incredible. And of course, the only reason that it's even worth celebrating is because Chelsea Lynn is so good at the game, plays so much more often, has much better execution. But, you know, that's one of the things we love about Rando. And I can't help but feel like I really, really needed that. Like I was taking a lot of L's, I feel like getting some pretty bad times and like biweekly seeds and things. And it just felt really good to, you know, I just stuck that race out, basically came down to go independent pod earlier, um, you know, which could happen to anyone really. And uh, I've, I won by five seconds uh, in a, in a over two hour long race. Yeah, I won by five seconds. Basically, I was ahead through all of GT and she was just creeping up behind me with better execution, getting closer and closer. And uh, I, of course, I didn't know any of that when I was racing. So I was just going along and playing my, my best game and I, I managed to win. And I just, you know, huge... Uh, shout outs to, to Chelsea, who could have easily beaten that. If, if we race 10 more times, she'd probably win, you know, eight or nine of them. But just that's just a, that's just how it goes sometimes. So uh, I've been trying to keep the streak going because the next race that I'm going to be doing is a uh, cross keys, which if you guys know anything about my play style, not something I usually mess with. But I've been doing something a little different than normal for the past week or so. I've been playing a new cross keys seed every single day in order to try to prepare for this wow, race. Wow, that's up, a lot I of just, playing. That I've is been a playing lot of playing. a lot. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been very informative because I figure with cross keys, the main issue I have is I just I barely played it at all. So I've kind of crammed. I haven't finished any of them. I do feel like I should say that. Uh, I've, but I've just tried to cram as many in to try to get a sense of like, OK, what connectors can go where? How do I work this tracker? You know, even basic stuff like that. So um, I've been preparing quite a bit, uh, you know, in a Rocky montage sort of fashion. And uh, my race against Sick Jester of the Hovering Sick Kids is tonight. And uh, even if I lose, you can't say that I didn't try. So that's that's where I'm at. So that's that's me in the league. I'm on an upswing. I'm, I'm fighting. Uh, the long shots uh, are doing great. Tyler just got another win. So we're we're kind of we've hit a, a new record in terms of, of wins in the season. And, and we've still got, you know, a few weeks to go. So we're feeling good. We're pushing through nice and hard. So. Dante, how's it going with you and your team? Well, first I got to say, I admire, uh, I, I, I admire your race against Chelsea. I skimmed through the VOD. Um, and, uh, your friend did not provide any sort of questioning or oh, he was, he was great. He was so awesome. And yeah. it was, uh, that was probably the most ideal thing I could have ever asked for. Um, but, <laughs> um, but no less. So as far as league goes for us, I feel like I should record two different versions of this, but I'll just do one mishmash one, uh, mainly okay. because we have one race still coming up for the cross keys week, uh, tonight, uh, Nep is going to be playing Yagamoth, uh, as we're going in undefeated, who knows if we'll be undefeated when we come out, um, we'll still be in first place, which I think is good. We clinched playoffs, I think, last week, which is a first for us because we have always, our team has always just gotten in by the skin of our teeth, like third place 
in three seasons, like in the division. Uh, and, you know, with with four going in this time, it makes it a little easier. Um, but clinching early is always like a super it, it's it's foreign to us, I guess, is a way yeah. to put it. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, looking forward to seeing how net plays tonight. Hope she does well. And, you know, if we win, great. If we lose, you know, that's that's the way Rando be sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, sometimes but yeah, open mode. Like I mean, when this comes out, uh, that's the other thing is like you guys are going to know if I beat Revenant an open week because we're playing tomorrow on Monday. So um, mm. there, uh, we could we could have two L's, you know, go from zero to two by the time I record this and it come coming out. So who knows? It's going to be a wild week. Yeah, I mean, you. Try, I want to be able to say like, oh, yeah, you guys got that. But after everything, I just I'm like, yeah, who knows? You know, I, you guys definitely <laughs> yeah. have are the favorite, you know, the favorites going in, I would say, at the very least. Well, the thing I guess to, to keep in mind is that our team is playing um, right now. This week, we're playing a team that's in top four. So slated to make playoffs currently, unless something changes Mm. Uh, next week, we're playing the current number two seed in our group. And the week after that, we're playing the current number three seed. So like clearly we're hitting the hardest part right here at the very end. So, you know, we could go from one down to fourth very quickly. We'll, we'll just wait and see how it goes though. Damn. All right. Well, good luck. We'll be rooting for you. Um, And uh, yeah, so uh, everything else with league, I think, has been going really good. I've been able to watch a few races here and there. Again, you know, it's usually my teammates that I'm able to kind of check out, and that's the fun thing about league is having a little bit more of an invested, uh, uh, having more of an investment in in the outcome of some of these races. Yeah. Um, so it's been great. Yeah. Um, so I did want to touch on the ZSR Marathon 2021. Uh, as we're recording right now on Sunday the 24th, it's happening. Um, but I did get a chance to see the opener of the marathon, which was that Michael K versus Spleeby RMG race cross platform, uh, that we teased. So I saw a little bit of that. I was at work, so I didn't get to see all of it. Um, and I did want to just mention, we will have links in the description to the other ones that we mentioned. Um, so that one, the RMG race, the three-way cross keys, Enemizer blackout bingo race between P train megawatt and GFE 12. Uh, and, um, I'm not sure whether or not, uh, checks human was able to do the full equipment RMG run. If so, we'll link that. And then, uh, Matt cap with the, uh, bonus run. We'll, we'll throw that in there as well. So, um, all in all, uh, I thought they represented, represented the community very well. And the little bit that I saw, I'm looking forward to finishing that VOD and, uh, yeah, good stuff all around. All right. We're, uh, we're moving fast. I'm liking this. Let's keep it going. GMP community <laughs> updates. <laughs> All right. Um, not much to say except for the BWS, the uh, open hard 7-7 seven, seven that we uh, did. Very popular seed. Everyone loves it as far as I'm aware. Uh, thousands of people played it. <laughs> well, Herb, I've, I've got some bad news for you, oh, actually. Really? Uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody played this oh. one. I shouldn't say nobody because some people did. Sorry. Hang on. I'm looking for the... Can, can we shout report. those people out because... They deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They're four. Okay. Four people played this seed. Um, I just, everything that could be set to hard on the, uh, you know, generator, I set to hard, which include, included, um, shoot. What are, what are the three options there? Hey, I'll, I'll go look, but we had Dapper Worm Man, Dr. Earworm, Mr. Buyer and Plasma Snake all play it. And you know what? Their times weren't that bad either. Um, with the with the slowest coming in at two hours and 26 minutes, which, again, I mean, like for for all the hard settings that I set, 
I would take that. Did you did you set the the item functionality to hard too? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you. Oh, I can't <laughs> oh, believe you man. did this. I can't believe you done this. <laughs> yeah, no, no surprise. Nobody played this. Yeah, holy crap. I mean, okay, so that makes like magic drain faster too. There was a reason we separated those. You just for uh, like Sahabot open hard. Like I think I think that's actually a thing. Now, um, okay, now. I am starting to get this memory flashing back into my brain where we had decided you were going to be in charge of generating these. You just got to <laughs> remind me, dog. Like, just say, yo, like, do this. And I'll say, okie dokie, and I'll do it. Um, I got to mm-hmm. get real excited about a seed if I'm going to generate it, like, while we're recording. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, well, my excuse is I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> half the time. So I just went and everything that could be hard, I put to hard. And uh, that was not the right thing to do because, yeah, we only had four people play this one. So I think we owe it to the community to next time, dude. We should just do an open 7-7. Seven, seven. All right, yeah, after you wrote Let's, down on the outline, maybe a cross keys, but no, we're not doing cross keys. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I've been playing a lot of cross keys, as I mentioned, and I wanted to be like, hey, it's not as bad as you think. Here's some things to keep in mind. Um, but no, we have to, we owe it to people to give them something nice. And so open 7-7 seven, seven. also matches up with the league. I think that's the way to go. Yeah. yeah let's let's make it happen. Okay. That's what it'll be. <clears throat> All right. Um, so with that, it's time to get into our feature. I, you know, I have to say more than any other feature we've ever done in our 85 episodes, I'm having a really hard time coming up with the title of this one. Do you guys want to take a crack at that before we, before we uh, transition over? Well, I titled the folder on our Google Drive where we all save our audio comparing platforms, which sounds mm-hmm. pretty good to me. It's definitely it, it's the first one I started with is like platforms, comparing platforms. Uh, then I started to get into emulation versus hardware because I do want to touch on that. Uh, but basically, yeah, that's that's kind of what we're going to be talking about is all the different ways you can play a link to the past randomizer. So um yeah, no, no snappy title just yet, but maybe <laughs> maybe by the end of the episode, we'll feel good about something. All right, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. All right, let's go. All right, so first off, I wanted to thank Synac for the request. Um, just off off the top of my head, from, from the best of my recollection, he was one of the pe- first people to ask for this, but I'm fairly sure others have, have mentioned it in the past that they would like to hear a little bit about the various ways that you can play A Link to the Past randomizer, um, they, which to me, and we can talk about this, but I think it makes sense to kind of categorize them into two separate categories, which is emulation versus hardware. And uh, before we get too much, uh, well, let me stop. <laughs> I'm doing that thing I do where I ramble. Do you? What do you guys think about the idea of emulation versus hardware? Do you think that's a significant thing to try to define for this conversation? Defining, um, probably not. Um, I mean, it, it, you can make a really dumb definition, I guess. And that's kind of how I look at it, which, I mean, to, to put it very concisely, uh, you know, we call it an, like a SNES emulator, like SNES 9X or, you know, the the, the one you're not supposed to use, ZSNES, um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like it, it's basically utilizing a piece of hardware, electronics uh, to play uh, Super Nintendo games, like in this case. So like you're doing you're making it pretend it's a different console, like you're faking it out 
which is where the emulation term comes in. Cause you're emulating the console. Um, yeah. Like there there's, we could get like philosophical with it. If in temp, if you feel like we, <laughs> we need to, but I think it's just, that's the very dumbed down uh, definition. And that's an emulator obviously is like really what a lot of people, you know, experience games with and stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, when we were planning for this episode, you brought up a really good point with this, uh, you know, this particular topic, which is it, it only makes sense to define it if it matters. So let's talk about why it matters that there's a difference between emulation versus hardware. Um, so is there is there some sort of diff inherent difference between playing a link to the past randomizer on, say, you know, one of the things that will explain, you know, a. Uh, um, an FX pack, you know, you load your seed into that, then you throw it into your Super NT and it's and you're holding, you know, a Super Nintendo uh, 8-bit controller. It's like you're playing on a TV, you know, like the actual hardware versus somebody who gets like an iBuffalo USB, plugs it in their computer and gets SNES 9X. Like what are the main uh, performance differences between someone emulating the game and someone playing it on hardware? I, th I think we're that's kind of what right. I think of this episode I mean, is digging into that's that's kind of what we're going to get into when we're talking about all these different options i thought right yeah because that's kind of the the main focal point unless you want to like go through a short list of differences at the start which we can totally do well i guess i was just wondering if some of these differences are because of the difference in emulating versus playing on hardware because obviously all of them are different but does it make sense to categorize them into those two categories? That's that was my main question. I mean, you could technically say that. Uh, Is it useful to do that? Yeah. All right. So here's the difference. All right. Uh, emulator. And, and so like just all emulators, right? Uh, unless they're like highly fine tuned um, or like configured very, uh, I guess it's the same thing configured the exact same way or like a, a very def a definitive way. They all run at like 59.94 FPS. Like if you play virtual console and a Wii, it runs at that. If you play SNES nine X, it runs at that. So roughly 60 frames per second, um, which is what most monitors are, are, are like display like, like modern monitors. Let's put it that way. So then on top of that, the SNES is also categorized uh, at 60 FPS, which is the console, the Super NT. So like to the to the average Joe, they're exactly the same. However, if like I said, it's 59.94 for most emulators, such as like virtual console. I'm just going to use that as an example, because that's like one of the quote unquote official emulators, um, you know, from Nintendo or whatever. Um, the actual SNES runs, you guys can crucify me in the podcast channel if I'm wrong on this, but, uh, refreshing my memory from with a Google search, it says it runs at 60.09 FPS. That is roughly about 0.15 FPS difference. And that's per second, obviously. So basically you're, if you're playing on an emulator, you're losing time to someone playing on a console the entire run. Like that's, that's the best way to put it <laughs> in a two hour race. Do you know roughly how much time that equates to? Oh, uh, 
that's a lot of math. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it, it ends up being a couple of seconds, very roughly. It's like between five and ten, I want to say. I don't okay. remember exactly, but it's like a five to ten. Like it, you're, I remember the number being thrown around, but I don't exactly remember. But I'm re- like vaguely remembering you, you're losing six seconds per hour. Because you're like that's, the difference that is sounds right. about a that frame. Sounds right. Yeah, that sounds like some solid math. It, yeah, it's very close to that, and yeah, it is right around a frame. So, um, but yeah, like that's that's one thing to consider. Uh, now, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how, that's why you see a lot of people who get serious. Whether you know, I'm not even saying they're good or they're bad. I'm just saying that they want to, they take the hobby seriously, and they, you know, yeah. have money that they would like to spend on it. Um, you know, like that's why you see people getting Super NTs or resurrecting SNES consoles. Now, the Super NT out of the box. Uh, uh, let, let's let's put that off for a minute because we're 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 because <laughs> we've got we've got like bullet points. We can just go through this. We're, yeah. We'll get to the Super yeah. NT in a minute. Um, one, yeah, one that's, that's the biggest difference. difference. One other big difference I want to mention before we start is the input lag, which is, yes. uh, you know, by all accounts, everyone you ask who switches from console to emulator or from emulator to console, it is worse and noticeable on an emulator. Even, you know, to someone like me who's played like 95% of their SNES stuff on an emulator in recent times, uh, it's, you know, you notice it once you change you don't notice it when you play it on an emulator. It looks and feels fine. But once you change and then you have to change back, you're like, oh, God, this is really laggy. Mm. Yeah, I remember going to a friend's house one time and the, so, the way that he had his just like normal like TV and gaming setup in his living room, uh, I was playing Super Smash Brothers against him and I noticed this like significant lag. Mm-hmm. And this is a guy who plays video games all the time. And I was like, dude, how are you not? noticing this intense lag and he's like i don't know man i just this i just don't notice it so mm-hmm. you know i think it's easy to take for granted that uh you know people would notice but i think everyone just kind of has different tolerance levels for that sort of thing and like you said going back and forth between the two definitely makes it a lot more noticeable yeah yeah um one other thing i did want to say on the on the topic of you know emulation versus hardware is i was kind of you know trying to wrap my brain around this and and because like at the end of the day is Super Nintendo, yeah, it is it's hardware, but it's it's a computer, right? And it's giving you an, an emulation of what the game is that you've put in. So like I, I did kind of get this existential, like what even is the difference between hardware versus emulator? Like they're they're all emulations. And then I was kind of trying to think of something like this in terms of music. If you think of like a an actual piano, like a baby grand piano versus a synthesizer that is set to play a piano sound. Uh, to a lot of people, that's not going to make a big difference. They're not even going to notice the difference, especially, you know, the uh, more into the future we go, the better the sound gets. Uh, but to someone who cares and certainly to someone who plays piano, there's a huge difference between a real piano that you play that's acoustic versus a synthesized one that play, you know plays a sound chip of what a piano sounds like when you hit the key. So I think we're kind of maybe dealing with something like that, where for a lot of people, emulating is totally fine and it doesn't make enough of a difference to hurt their enjoyment of the game. 
But for some people, they enjoy the experience of playing on hardware enough to go out and buy certain things and set up, you know, certain systems in order to be able to play on hardware. And oh, by the way, it also has some gaming benefits that actually can make you go a little bit faster as well. So I think that to me, thinking of it that way kind of helps, helps a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, sounds, I think that's pretty good. It's, it's maybe not a perfect analogy, but I think that's a, a pretty good one. Yeah, I, I think like I know you, you kind of threw in there and then we got a little philosophical to where I was going with that, where, yeah. you know, you said uh, Super oh, Nintendo's thoughts on that. Technically yeah. a computer and, uh, you know, it's it's emulating. It, it, so the emulation thing is you're making something it's not designed to do run something. So like that, that was kind of my dumbed down thing earlier is that Super Nintendo was built to play Super Nintendo cartridges. So it's doing what it was designed to do. And then you're using a piece of software to trick your computer with Windows installed on it or whatever to pretend it's a Super Nintendo so it can read the file. And then that, that's where the emulation comes in. So like, I guess that's a little bit of difference per se. Yeah. No, that's helpful. That's that's a good uh, differentiator as well. And then but then that kind of gets a little tricky when we talk about the Super NT, which we'll we'll get to. And, it, you know, it's a little ambiguous about is that hardware or is it an emulator? So anyway, um, but with that, I guess I guess we are kind of ready to jump into what we've done is compiled, uh, you know, four or five different options of ways that you can play a link to the past randomizer, starting with the one that. If I had to guess, it's probably most familiar to most of us. It certainly is to me, which is just using an emulator um, that you download on your computer. Uh, but we also have uh, some hardware options and uh, some some other options to even look at. And then at the end, we'll tell you, uh, kind of give you a, you know, what's the best for performance? What's the best for price? Uh, kind of summarize them all like that. So without any further ado, let's uh, jump into the first one, which is, as I mentioned, emulator and ROM. So... Uh, common emulators used to emulate a link to the past randomizer. I think the most common one is SNES 9X. That's the um, Dante mentioned. Sorry, I was like, that's the, like the most easily accessible one, I guess. Besides yeah. ZSNES, and don't use ZSNES. That's what I was about <laughs> to reference. Yeah, is, that's, uh, ZSNES. Yeah, that is the most popular one, I think. In actuality, that was the one that I played <laughs> all throughout high school. Yeah, when same. I learned what an emulator was. I played ZSNES forever. That snow background convinced me, dude. And uh, yeah, and you switched <laughs> over to the fire with the smoke. Yeah, so, so good. So sick. Um, do either of you know? I'm sorry, we're, I'm kind of stepping outside my bounds here. Why ZSNES is no good for emulating Link to the Past randomizer? It, yes, uh, it doesn't emulate correctly, which is a perfect example. Of, you know what we're talking about. It's not very good at mimicking an SNES, and therefore it doesn't emulate the leg correctly. So your game's not lagging as much as it should, and you gain an immense advantage because of that. <laughs> Yeah, like a That's, good example is if you've ever played Enemizer and you've walked into like Thieves Town and then like all of a sudden, you know, Link looked like he was crawling because of the lag that's happening. That doesn't happen on ZSNES. Like, <laughs> you just keep going. <laughs> so yeah. it's really bad at lag. The other thing I noticed when I used ZSNES when I first got into ALTTPR, like when I was playing casually, um, you know, no racing and such, uh, there was, I, I left everything default, but 
the version of the ZSNS I used, uh, all the floors that are hidden, like in GT, you know, where you could use ether to see it or something like that, or light the mm-hmm. torches. Um, they were just there. <laughs> I was like, what's, what's, what's happening here? What did I do something? And I, I thought I had, but I, I checked and it was like, it was all correct. So, um, but yeah, it's like that, that would be something you're not really allowed to do in a race is see the floor, you yeah. know? So, uh, yeah. yeah, don't use these nests. I mean, there's a, you know, there were, there used to be at least a, a picture like when you would load it up, it's like, don't use this while, while playing. Yeah. Uh, With like the eighties laser background yeah. or whatever. But yeah, the yeah. SNES nine X, like the most, you know, recent versions, I guess we'll say those are like probably the most commonly used for ALTTPR. It does all of the core things that you would want. Um, I mean, it's, it's basically out of the box, you know, it's got the Lua scripting for multi-world, you know, or, or some branches of it have that it's got, you know, also for auto tracking. Um, it mm-hmm. supports MSU, you know, it, the graphics are, you can spruce them up a little bit if you really want to, but, uh, you know, usually that looks kind of poopy to me. I'd rather it look true to, to like to a fault, but that's, that's me personally. That varies person to person. Um, sure. And it does have a terrible, terrible, terrible hotkey design, uh, as far as SNES 9X goes. Um, and you have to disable like all of those. Otherwise you have a really bad time pressing buttons, you know, like, um, you, you, if you press something on accident, then uh, you end up like getting all kinds of crazy stuff, I guess, like with layers being disabled and stuff like that. Now, I promise I'm not trying to stir the pot, but I just have to say <laughs> I find it very interesting that it's OK to take an emulator and make the graphics like crystal clear, pixel perfect, way better than they ever could have been on original hardware. But it's not okay for ZSNES to eliminate lag from the game. Doesn't that seem like almost kind of a double no, standard? Because the graphics really. don't the graphics don't have any effect on the timing of the game. Um, you're giving a player with not emulating lag uh, a, an advantage that is not allowed technically. Because you know the more heart containers you have, the more like the shield, you know stuff like that. Uh, even rupees in some degree, I don't know that. So I won't talk about that too much, but like all of that causes lag in the game, uh, and like on the SNES. So the emulator needs to be able to process that properly. Um, mm-hmm. and if it can't, then it's, it's a, it's a very unfair advantage for racing. It, it's also interesting that it's okay that the hardware has a higher FPS rate. So, it can just run faster and that's okay. Right. So like it's sometimes because I would say, okay, it's about time. Then you can't change the the timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to emulate that accurately, but then, you know, hardware actually moves faster than emulators, but that's considered okay. So yeah, I don't know. It's just, you know. <clears throat> what can you do other than only allow hardware? Like it's, it's not that uh, emulator users are uh, at a disadvantage. It's that a game that should be played on an SNES because that's where it came out is allowed to be played on emulators as well. So deal with it or buy some hardware. Right. Yeah. No, like I said, I'm not trying to stir the pot. I'm just 
I, I, you know, I like to get philosophical when we record these podcasts and <laughs> I can't help but make the comparisons between those different categories. Yeah. But I also recognize I'm, you know, certainly not the first person who's thought of these things. And um, there there are very good answers to them that I just don't know. Yeah. I mean, but kind of circling back, you know, let, let, let's I'm going to get us back on topic. All right. So SNES 9X, Please, you know, thank you so much. We, we were talking about the hotkeys. They're kind of poopy. Just, you know, if, if you're not careful, you'll press three, three, two, two, one, one, four, 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 seven, seven, eight, eight, nine. Uh, and, you know, all of a sudden everything's all messed up. But and then you don't know what mm-hmm. to do. But uh, if you disable them, you don't have to worry about it, which is also a fantastic thing. Um, uh, all emulators, let's let's kind of backtrack just slightly. They all have hotkeys. Just make sure you notate what they are. It's just that SNES 9X has like, I think, probably the worst UI and actual hotkey layout <clears throat> of any like any con or any emulator um, kind of going like a step up above that. BizHawk is a really nice middle ground um, as far as the three emulators we're going to kind of mildly talk about uh, that. This one does require a little more CPU usage, but from what I understand, it still does Lua scripting. I think uh, I know it does MSU stuff from what I understand. Um, but you know, it does, like I said, it requires a little more horsepower out of your computer. So be mindful of that. You know, you don't want to overheat your computer in the middle of a race or something. If you're playing on like a laptop or something, uh, just make sure it can handle it. And, uh, you know, BizHawk has like BizHawk, I guess is kind of an emulator that does <laughs> multiple platforms is probably a good way to put it. Uh, you know, you hear BizHawk a lot when you think about, uh, if you've dabbled in Ocarina of Time, Rando, and the multi-world for that. Mm, gotcha. So, uh, and then kind of going, you know, wrapping this up and we can kind of finish rabbit trailing. Uh, there's also RetroArch. Uh, and RetroArch is probably the best emulator you can possibly use. Um, it's the closest to console speed and setup when it's set up properly, but it does require a like even more so than BizHawk, a decent chunk of CPU usage. So, you know, again, you want a pretty, um, a pretty good setup. I, I talked to a couple people who have used this in the past, uh, Airy or Aeroar being one of them. And he, he said that it is a quite a large pain to set up like correctly. Um, you know, you, you'll see if you look at some emulator times on like the NMG speedrun leaderboard, you'll probably notice that if you watch their video, they're using RetroArch. So, um, but yeah, if you tune it properly, it also is probably the one with the least amount of input lag. Um, mm. But it does still have some. It's just not as bad or noticeable as like BizHawk or even a step down SNES 9X. So it's, but it like very CPU intensive. So it just depends again, how serious do you want to be? If you're a big, if you don't want to buy a console and you know, you're a big PC gamer and uh, you know, besides ALTTPR, then maybe your computer can already handle it. And that's probably the way to go. I know there's a lot of runners that do use RetroArch for, uh, for rando racing. It when when laid out like this, it definitely does seem like kind of the clear choice. By the way, all of these emulators totally free to download. They're they're yours if you want them. There's you know so that that should be said because all the hardware that we're going to say not the case. So I think a lot of people start with emulators simply for that reason. It's extremely low risk 
you know, you've made zero investment. You can just download this and you're ready to go. So, you know, I think a lot of people start with emulator for that reason. That being said, it seems like if you are going to pick an emulator, you want to pick the one that's going to do the best job of emulating. Uh, but as Dante mentioned, RetroArch uh, can be a little CPU intensive. Um, I will say um, SNES 9X definitely does require some setup. Uh, I hear a lot of people as they're getting started at the casual level, um, you know, even to this day will pop in and be like, I just recently found out that you can uh, disable key input when you're, uh, or, or what am I trying to say? Make it so that you can navigate away from the window and still play the game uh, so that I can mark my tracker. Because uh, there are people that don't really, I believe it's a default of SNES 9X that that's not set uh, that it's not set up that way. But what you want to do is go in and make sure that you click whatever that is. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the setting, but basically you're making it so that when you click your tracker on another screen or whatever, uh, it doesn't pause the game every single time you do that, right. which you obviously wanna, is not going to work in a race. Yeah. You want it to be able to just stay functioning and not pause basically. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, uh, as we talked about earlier, different graphical settings, you can get really, you know, crystal clear, edgy pixels, or you can get them all rounded and weird looking, which I don't know why you would want to do that, but you can. Uh, so there, I mean, no, no matter which emulator you set up, you are, or choose, you are going to have to do a little bit of setup. So I would just keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, rather than tell you what to do specifically, I'll just say, of course, go to our discord or the main discord and ask around. People will be more than happy to let you know what kind of settings you need to set up for all these emulators to get started. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that pretty much covers why, you know, uh, emulators, what they do best, why you would use them. Um, so now I think we're kind of getting into our hardware. Uh, so, Let's start with the SNES Classic, which I kept calling the SNES Mini over and over when we were making this outline. Uh, I wanted to call it the SNES Junior, but I knew that wasn't right. Nope, nope. It's not Mini. It's not Junior. <laughs> that's that's technically a console. So uh, let's let's dive dive headfirst into the Classic. Um, okay. It looks like a SNES, but I have some bad news for you. It's an emulator. <laughs> it's an emulator. See, do you understand why I'm so confused all the time? <laughs> so basically, it's a little tiny box. It has been compared to like, crap, I am totally blind. Uh, a Raspberry Pi. It has been compared to. I'm not mm. saying it's Raspberry Pi. Jeez, don't crucify me for that. Um, anyway, uh, but it, it, if you if you take the, the Super Nintendo plastic cover off the thing, and set it to the side and look at the internals and then, Ooh, look over here. I got an NES classic, you know, the one that came out before that. And I take the shell off of that and I set the board down. They're basically the exact same thing. So mm. it's just something that has got it's, it was built. We'll say specifically to emulate the NES and the SNES. So it's, it's built to mimic it. So it's like a, a, it's a console emulator. I know, I know I made it hard. Didn't I temp? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread, but <laughs> you still got me. But yeah, that's, that's kind of what it is. Uh, I, uh, I think this option is really good. Like, let's say you've got a computer, um, that isn't 
the, you know, how do I put this? I say your computer's a potato. Uh, (laughs) um, Yes. But for some reason, you have a capture card and it works. But if you run SNES 9X while streaming, you suddenly have like bottlenecking issues and everything overheats and locks up. A SNES 9X is probably, I'm I'm sorry, a SNES Classic is probably the way to go. Uh, Just because if you can capture on your computer and stream without issue, then you're all set. And it's basically the equivalent of running an emulator. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that's really nice about it is uh, you don't have to worry about like, do I have a controller that's going to respond well? Because it does. It's 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 just a SNES controller. You know, if you've got the the uh, I guess the controllers the that come with it. Yeah, with the classic controllers, yeah. you can even use like some of those old Wii controllers because it's the same plug. Um, those are good to go. Uh, the, the the problem here in lies with this one that it requires a soft mod that we're not really going to get into, um, but you'd have to mod it so you can sideload uh, extra ROMs uh, and those ROMs you can play from the game. Now, what this is where I'm turning to the community for some help because I did a little research and I couldn't find anything definitive. I know way back and when I say way back, I'm talking 2018 there were some times where if you were playing key sanity, you actually had to load a retro arch core onto your SNES classic to play key sanity without it messing up. I think they may have patched that, but I'm not sure. Um, so like you were basically putting an emulator on your emulator box and exhibit busted in the room and was like, we're going to pimp your ride. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's dating, dating me with that terrible joke. But, um, but yeah, like I, I don't know what the exact bug was, but I know from having some friends that used to use classics, you had to for key sanity. And it was quite, I don't know, a headache. It sounded like a headache to me. Hmm. So it seems like basically the SNES Classic, uh, it it has a link to the past on it as one of the games. So you would think like, oh, so you go in through it some way with that. No, basically you're just taking advantage of the fact that you have, like you said, a Raspberry Pi, like a small box PC um, that's very lightweight that kind of is just designed to do one function uh, that also interfaces perfectly with the Super Nintendo controller by Nintendo. Uh, you're essentially taking advantage of that and then using it like a computer and putting an emulator on it and playing all of your seeds that way. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. It, this is how you play, is, isn't it? Or No. Uh, <laughs> no. no. That, that, that's why. You have I, one though, right? I have one. Yes, I have two. You have, but okay. Because I was I was the collector guy that bought like the the European version so it could look like a Super Famicom. Um, oh wow! But uh, I mean I have I have them like I've got one station in my living room that you know if, b- before we had the baby we could like just play whatever we wanted you know kind of deal. Um, yeah. You know just to kill some time, but but yeah, I mean it's it's a great affordable option. The problem with that now is like finding a SNES Classic is like finding gold, you know, in, in the ground. Like it just you don't it doesn't happen anymore. I don't I think they're out of production as far as like brand new goes. So um you know, the ship has kind of sailed on that one, I think. Now, I, I think you have a note to mention this at another point, but I do think it could. this could be a good time to talk about it. And that is tracking when you're playing on hardware. 
because uh, I think this is maybe something I've taken for granted as someone who plays on an emulator and uses auto tracking, how it just kind of works, you know, because why wouldn't it? You're on the same system. How do you set up auto tracking when you're playing on hardware? And does it vary from uh, type to type or um, what do you do? So here's the deal with the classic, since I know you keep wanting to call that hardware. Um, the classic has uh, a, a way to interface with Q USB to SNES. Um, most of you are probably familiar with that program or just USB to SNES. Uh, if you are you know, familiar with multi-world, those two programs are very experimental. Last I heard with the classics and uh, you need that to the same setup for multi-world is what you need for auto tracking, I guess is the way gotcha. to put it. So uh-huh. if that's not working on your classic, then you're going to be manually tracking. Um, if it is working, then I think in theory you could auto track. Um, good luck. Your mileage may vary. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Uh, I'm not going to try and say I know without it, but like you have to have the, <clears throat> there's actually, there was actually a thread. I don't know if you saw this tip. There was a thread in our, in our discord where some people of the community, oh, someone yeah. got an FX the very pack. first thread, I think. Yeah. Uh, some people got discord, an FX yeah. pack and, Uh, Some some awesome folks were helping this person walk through setting it up and they mentioned what you needed to download to have the USB interface. So if you have an FX pack, we're jumping around, I know, um, in the outline, but there's a USB port and it's basically useless by default unless you have some kind of software on the firmware, I guess, enabling it. And um, that's how you use that. And it basically acts as a COM port. So it's like a serial port almost Mm. um, for your computer and USB to SNES and Q USB to SNES or what read that Uh, it's pretty, I want to say it's almost plug and play after Mm. you get the right firmware on your SD card for your FX pack. But um, that's, that's basically how you would do it with hardware. We'll call it. So that would be anything utilizing an FX pack. Uh, gotcha. And I appreciate you going along with calling the SNES classic hardware. I know technically it's not, but the fact that it, you know, it's not your computer. I think that's the thing that like trips me up. Like, you know, I use my computer for work and playing games and internet and also a link to the past randomizer. So it just seems like, of course, that's an emulator. Whereas like these other things, while they're not hardware necessarily, they are like dedicated machines for playing mm-hmm. this game and streaming and racing and all that. And I guess maybe that's really the distinction not no, not so much hardware but just that like differentiation yeah so um yeah. the next one here on our list is not something i'm super familiar with and if you guys have anything you want to add into this feel free um the mister uh which was recently you know it had a a good accurate core we you know that was allowed for racing so the mister is now allowed for racing alttpr i know we had on Ridley dragon uh, for the challenge cup episode. And he mentioned quite a bit about him using the mister. And uh, there's, there's, there's quite a bit from what I understand. I I grabbed some YouTube videos and an article from retro RGB, which I'll mention retro RGB again, and kind of my own little thing later. Um, But they, uh, they kind of have a setup guide and what you need to buy. So there's, this is like, and in what I would call maybe an enthusiast thing, like you're a retro game enthusiast and you want to, and you, you're a big DIYer or, a, you know, build it yourself, do it yourself. Uh, you want to 
build a box and feel some fulfillment from that, which I respect and love doing stuff like that. Um, but it's pretty close to hardware from what I understand. Um, I don't know if you can auto track with it. I don't even know if it does MSUs. I, I really don't. I have no idea because I don't know anybody who has one that I've been able to talk to a whole lot about it. Um, hmm. But it does more than just SNES. It depends on which cores you load into it. And um, yeah, it's just pretty interesting. I'd say check our description. You can kind of get an idea of what it is uh, with these yeah. links. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Seems like a pretty cool thing, but I've, you know, except for that mentioned by Ridley Dragon, I've also never really heard of that. I remember the core being allowed and for a short while people were talking about how it's good and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not sure how many people actually use one of them. Yeah, I'm definitely satisfied with just saying, like, this is for the, the ones who are really hardcore. And here's some links that you can check out. And like, you know, that'll get you on your way. Yeah, That's I the think a box. Yeah, I think if you're if you're more hardcore about retro gaming and finding ways to build stuff this is the route for you. But if you're going to spend money and you just want to be hardcore, maybe about the SNES, this is probably not the route for you. It's probably the best way Mm -hmm. to put it. Yep. That makes sense. All right. So let's talk about the intriguing super NT. Uh, I've heard a lot of people talk about this and, you know, took a little while, but eventually figured out kind of what it is. Um, this one, you know, as we kind of teased earlier, is probably the closest you can get to saying that you play on hardware uh, without technically being hardware. So do, do you want to kind of explain what what the uh, Super NT is, Dante? Uh, yeah, um, it's, it's a box and it's got a Super Nintendo port. I don't, it's magic. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it does have a Super <laughs> Nintendo port. Um, so to quote the website. And this is where I'm going to I'm going to try not to derail us too much. Um, It's a reimagining of perhaps the greatest video game system of all time engineered with an FPGA, no emulation, 1080p, zero lag, total accuracy. The Super NT is not a plug and play toy. It is the definitive way to explore Nintendo's 16 bit era. Compatible with 2200 plus Super Nintendo games and Super Famicom game cartridges. Uh, explore and relive one of the greatest video game systems of all time with no compromises. So uh, the biggest, the only thing, I'll, nice. only thing I'm going to say just real quick is that I have actually seen now I've, I've followed like retro RGB and Voltar on Twitter back when I was getting my SNES junior modded. Finally, it's back. Thank God. Um, and uh, I, I sometimes, you know, retro, gaming enthusiasts like like themselves uh they they have very strong opinions and i can't say if they're right or wrong because i'm not educated enough to make that decision um but i know voltar and retro rgb at least from what i've seen in some recent tweets they're not a big fan of analog i don't know why Mm. um but technically their argument is that it definitely is emulation it's just done at the highest level so the the whole thing was analog's got a a basic thing of saying the no emulation thing. That's kind of like a false advertisement. However, it's, it it feels like no emulation to the player. And so this is probably the most, I guess the best way to play on modern monitors and capture cards uh, for, for gamers out there for ALTTPR. Like I'd say this is probably if you're buying a console, 
and you don't want to buy like jump through a bunch of hoops with an original console, this is the route to go. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, it, they really blur the line between, you know, emulation, and real hardware. And it yeah. goes back to like what makes it so hard to, you know, to, to wrap for at least for me to, you know, to wrap my brain around the difference be- between the two. Can you tell me what FP, FPGA is? All right, let's learn together as I read the outline um, from this website that I'm not going to try to pronounce. FPGA stands for Field Programmable Gate Array. Essentially, an FPGA is a hardware circuit that a user can program to carry out more one or more logical operations. Take a step further, FPGAs are integrated circuits or ICs uh, which, yeah, that's, that's the acronym, uh, which are sets of circuits on a chip. That's the array part. Um, and I see Tim has put in English question mark. Basically, <laughs> the, the, I, I, here's the dumbed down poor man's version of that, I think. Um, a Super NT was built to be a modern Super Nintendo. Okay. Um, at least that's how I look at it. Like it was designed with the purpose of playing these games on a modern level. So like, like like actually taking a super Nintendo cartridge from the eighties or nineties or not eighties, but from the nineties and playing it. Yes. Because Mm -hmm. out of the box, when you get the, when you get a super NT and you get an SD card with uh, firm, you know, you load the firmware onto your SD card and you plug it in and you boot the thing up. It ain't going to do a whole lot unless you've got a cartridge in it because they're not selling you a bunch of games that would be illegal. Um, mm-hmm. They're selling you a thing to play your games. So you Which basically is not illegal, right? You're, you're you. So you pop in your cartridge and you're good to go. Um, but yeah, it's, it's probably like I was saying the best thing you can buy. Um, one of the things that's really good about, um, I guess it's really good about this is that, there's already a community that's kind of modified the, the, the firmware I was talking about. So um, let's just say you want a console, but you don't care about MSU or multi-world or auto tracking. Then this is what you want because uh, you will be able to modify the firmware and load the, your LTTPR seeds onto your SD card and then just boot them from the SD card and you don't need a cartridge in there. So, and you still get all the benefits of the super NT. Now, I guess with the super NT one thing, I don't remember the exact setting and I really should have pulled mine out and looked this up. There's three ways to set this up. Um, you can force the clock speed to run at the, I think it's the 59.94. You can force it to run at an even 60 FPS, uh, or you can force it to run at its normal super Nintendo clock speed that, what did I say? 60.09 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it can run at that when it runs at that, you'll notice on most people's super NTs, you'll see like a line that looks like a screen tear that happens every so often. And that's where it desyncs for like, just like a frame, uh, on these, you know, modern monitors, I guess is a way to put it. So it's a side effect, but once you, once you've seen it happen a couple times, you know, as a player, it, it doesn't bother you as much anymore. Interesting. Have you ever played a super NT? I mean, I have one. So yes. You have one. So yes, you have yeah, played. I mean, is I bought, this the way that you play most rando seeds? No, it's not. I bought, so okay. <laughs> I bought a super NT back when they were always in stock and I bought it with the intent of, I really absolutely hated carrying my whole super Nintendo to SGL 
And I was like, all right, so SGL 2020, I'm going to make sure I've got a super NT. So I bought one and then I took it to AGDQ and I haven't taken it anywhere since because, you know, we haven't done anything in person. <laughs> right. Pepe hands. Right. But yeah, at home, I use my Super Nintendo. It's just because of what I'm used to. And um, I, you know, I just got the SNES Junior back, which looks immaculate, by the way. And when you've got RGB and stuff like that. So um, it's just what I'm used to. So that's what I do. So I uh, neglected to include really one of the most important platforms on here, which we should probably talk about right now, which is just the dang old Super Nintendo. Well, that's kind of where I was going to lump it in with the FX pack because you can't mm-hmm. play a link to the past randomizer unless you have an FX pack on Super Nintendo. And here's why. Yeah, you'd have to have a cartridge writer. <laughs> so like you would have to do like a homebrew cartridge for every seed. And I think that would get really expensive and I don't know. I would, I'm just trying to imagine my closet full of as many seeds as I've played. Nah, <laughs> imagine that. It would be so suck. cumbersome if you had to write a new cartridge for every <laughs> seed you played. Oh my God. It would be yeah. absolute trash. Um, I'd probably burn that up the cartridge awful. writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. So yeah, yeah. If you have a cartridge of a link to the past, that will do you no good in playing a, a link to the past randomizer because you don't want a link to the past. You want the switched around version. You of want a link to the past. You want the Japanese 1.0 version so you can dump that your too. legally owned cartridge exactly. And I was going to say patch that. your game so you can play randomizer. Right. So essentially, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know if I've ever actually seen one of these, but it's kind of shaped like an SNES cartridge, but it has a slot for an SD card. So Mm -hmm. you just download the seed onto the SD card and then pop it into the cartridge and then put it into your Super Nintendo. And and then that brings up like a menu and you like navigate from there and then you can play. Yeah. Um, You're talking about the FX pack, correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was making sure we still weren't talking about these cartridge readers and writers. So I was like so confused because no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know too we, much. We about ruled those. those out already. Yeah. We're not. We're, yeah. All right. So no with the FX pack, there is like some base firmware that you have to have like a folder that, you know, it reads so it knows how to boot up. Like that's like how the thing knows to do what it does. Um, but yeah, you just drop it. You can make a whole folder subsystem and do like almost pretend it's like an operating system, I guess is the best way to put it. And, uh, yeah, you just click on it and it'll boot the seed. Like they're getting really experimental with some of this. Like you, can, they've got a way to emulate Super Game Boy Two on there, so you can play certain Game Boy games. Um, there's a couple of things to enable the USB port, like we were talking about earlier. The USB port will allow you to do auto tracking and uh, crowd control. Like that's that's I, that we don't want to have to get too far into that, but like also, uh, you know. Um, multi-world which kind of works the same multi-world and crowd control work basically the same way as far as like the integration um but yeah once you've copied it you just kind of boot the thing up it also does msu support so there's two different versions there's the fx pack and there's the fx pack pro um for the rando community there is no difference like there unless you just want to say I'm a pro like there's no point if you can get a pack just get the pack or the SD to SNES I think they were just called SD to SNES before uh, you know it got changed 
Um, and I don't think there was like an official FX pack without the pro attached to it. It's just some stuff that they've added to try and, you know, add potential stuff like save states and other tech down the line. Um, doesn't really apply to us that much though. Hmm. Um, so I'm a little curious about the MSU that's allowed. Does that have to, is it, how does, how does that work? All right. So I'm, I'm speaking from my experience of how dumb I am. The way it works is it mutes the music file that it's in the ROM. Um, if it detects, this is how the ALTTPR stuff works with like the SD DSNES or sorry, FX pack. Um, and it will read from the SD card and play music from that. Like that's just how it works. So it it has to be like set up a specific way. It's basically the exact same thing with emulators. It's just processed on this little cartridge. Um, in addition, uh, if you've ever noticed, if you have an FX pack, if you play an MSU file, uh, or rather like a, a seed with MSU going, and you lose power and you come back, there's no save file like it's gone. And the reason for that is because it can't read and write at the exact same time. And I found out a way around this. If you ever want to save an MSU, like a, like have your save file be there for when you come back later, when you finish the seed or when you, you know, need to take a break. If you hold the reset button down, this applies to the super NT or the super Nintendo. Um, it will eventually, do some light codes on the super on the FX pack. And like basically one of them just stays lit. And when it stays lit, it lets you know, it's going to reboot back to the main menu instead of the same ROM. And I probably lost you temp, but basically that way it gives it time to write the save file as it resets. So that's kind of a cool little feature. This, that'll just never apply to me. So that's why I zoned out a little bit. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that you said it on the show because I'm, I'm positive that there's somebody that will be helped by that information. Um, so this is the FX pack. Uh, and, you know, of course, the FX pack also has to be used in conjunction with the Super NT, right? There's there's not a way to be able to play rando without yeah. a cartridge. Uh, basically, NT. you have either a real normal Super Nintendo or a Super NT, which is like the console equivalent, basically. Uh, but you need uh, the FX pack or the SD to SNES is basically your cartridge. Just that it's not one game on the cartridge. It's all your MSU or, you know, your different seeds, all that stuff. Yeah, understood. So just buying a Super NT will get you a cool machine that is extremely accurate and very close to an actual Super Nintendo. But other than putting your actual Super Nintendo games into it, you can't really do anything with it. Yeah. The idea, I guess, being that, like, they don't make any more Super Nintendos. Like, you know, eventually, if you have one, great. And if it works, even better. I have one that doesn't work. Uh, You know, at a certain point, they're going to be so rare that you just there's super NTs and like other companies that have created things that play SNES cartridges, the ones that still work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think we can all you know recognize a need for there to be some kind of hardware that can read these cartridges. You know, it was sort of inevitable. But um, for all intents and purposes, all of them, you know, the emulators, the super NT, all of these things we've talked about, they are doing their best to recreate a super Nintendo playing the game. 
So that's kind of the standard. So that's what you play on Dante. Yes, I play it. Well, I play uh, like, on, I play on a Super Nintendo uh, SNES Junior yeah. to be super specific, which is like the tiny one. But mm-hmm. um, but yes, all in, for all in, like purposes, it is uh, a Super Nintendo. That makes sense. Um, so uh, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, sort of the best uh, options if you you know have your pick, if you're worried about price, performance, input lag, things like that. But before we do, I did just want to touch on some kind of less traditional platforms that you could play a link to the past randomizer on um, starting with a Nintendo switch. Um, I have heard reports of people playing randomizer on a switch, but I've never actually seen it. Have either of you uh, <laughs> do you have any kind of insight into people doing this? I mean, I've seen screenshots and people asking questions in like the main discord sometime uh, you know, usually just very casual players who like play a seed or start playing a seed on their train ride home from work or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a couple of Android SNES emulators and a couple of emulators in general that would probably play it. It usually looks like horribly squished, like the aspect ratio is all screwy and it has touch controls. And I don't understand how anyone could stand playing on that, but it works. It's probably very not race legal. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, not. <laughs> but you can you Makes can sense. you can totally do it casually if you want to on your phone. I, I don't yeah. know what those emulators are called. I don't even have an Android phone, so I'm no help. Yeah, so with a Nintendo Switch or with your phone, you know, with an iPhone, an Android, whatever, um, <laughs> there exist emulators for these things. So if you can get an emulator to work on one of those um, however, you end up doing that, you know, and then you have a ROM of rent, you know, ALTTPR seed, then yeah, go ahead. But uh, these are not race legal. And Dante, do you want to maybe talk about why they're not race legal to, to do something like that? Uh, uh, I, no, uh, but I do want to talk about. Will you please, though? I, I just want to talk about the funny image I had in my head of like Speed Gaming Live with the. Um, <laughs> with like the face cams and just imagining someone having having their phone and like trying to touch the screen and then like another webcam to show their phone like so they have the gameplay being displayed too and it just looking like potato quality. It would be the best. Oh my god! Imagine best yeah, restream ever. Your, you, you're playing, but you've also got your tracker on the same phone screen. Oh god! And you have to switch <laughs> oh between my god. apps to track. <laughs> Pause your emulation. Switch, switch out between apps. So th- oh I'm, I'm deferring the legality talk because I honestly don't know, but I'm deferring gotcha. it to the why would you like that's the reason like yeah. why would you even want to do this I, I think the the easiest explanation again kind of like with the ZSNES is probably that it's just not an accurate emulation of the SNES console yeah. at all it probably has like no lag or way more lag or god knows what goes wrong yeah also you know it, for races to be legal they typically have to be streamed and so yeah. you have to think about streaming from from all of these various platforms we've talked about too. Um, Pretty much. Now, now I kind of want to try. There's um, for developers. There's iPhone and Android emulators on the PC. So now I want to get an Android emulator and install a SNES emulator on the Android emulator, and then play my seed on that and probably blow my head off afterwards. For science, <laughs> do it for science. <laughs> Get a, get a picture. That sounds awful. Yeah. 
so uh, to cap all of this off, we're pretty much at the end of our breakdown of each of the platforms. By the way, thanks, uh, huge thank you to Dante for kind of taking on the uh, brunt of the research and having a lot more familiarity with this kind of stuff than than I do. Um, I did want to go through and talk about uh, kind of what are the best options for different people at different stages in their like, you know, rando career, if you could call it that. So I can start by saying when you start out, I think the absolute safest bet is to just download SNES 9X emulator. Um, You find your Japanese 1.0 link to the past ROM somewhere uh, and get started with that. It's the easiest, lowest impact way to get into a link to the past randomizer. It's the least amount of messing around. You don't have to get it ready for a race. You could just be casual your first time, of course, as we all know. Um, So I would say that is the easiest and also the cheapest way to start playing a link to the past randomizer is is an emulator. And I'm specifically recommending SNES 9X just because it's easy to use. Um, so that is one, uh, perspective. Um, but let's talk about performance. Uh, if you have, let's say money is, you know, you, you're okay with investing some money in this hobby. Um, I guess what would you guys say, uh, would be the best, uh, arrangement to have to, to play, um, in terms of helping you to go faster or play better? Uh, I mean, what Dante put in the outline is pretty much my opinion as well. If you happen to already have a functioning Super Nintendo at your home and you can easily like capture it with a capture card or whatever, point a cam at your TV or whatever you want to do, uh, buying an FX pack is probably your best option to, you know, immediately reap the benefits of playing on hardware. Um, and if you do not have a working Super Nintendo at home and you definitely do want to make that step towards hardware, uh, the Super NT and an FX pack is probably the you know closest and best option, assuming money. And at the moment as well, uh, delivery issues of the analog kind, uh, you know, not factoring in the Super NT is like notoriously hard to get lately. Yeah, I think they're actually still in stock. Like this last batch oh, that they came they? in. Yeah, I think they actually um, are in stock, which is kind of nice. Uh, I'm, well, you, okay. you guys p- say some playful banter and I'll I'll confirm in about <laughs> five seconds. <laughs> One thing well, I did want to touch on is controllers. Uh, maybe we can just kind of briefly tack that onto this. Uh, there's people that have asked us to do an episode on controllers and I've always been kind of hesitant because... Uh, I only have one and, you know, I don't think there's a lot of merit to talking about keyboard. I know there's some people that play on keyboard and kind of swear by it, but generally I would say like a cheap, you know, USB controller, the more it looks like an SNES controller, the better. I personally have an iBuffalo that I got as a gift from a friend back in 2014. Never had a problem with it. Never had issues with the buttons, uh, you know, wearing out or anything. Um, but there are also people who will find a controller they really love and then go as far as to open the controller up when it's given them problems, replace some of those rubbers under the button uh, to make them, you know, kind of feel right again and kind of do repairs to their controller as they go. Um, but iBuffalo, like I said, is is one that I use. 8BitDo is one that you'll hear people say quite a bit. Um, uh, controller chat, you guys have any other thoughts? I figured this could be a good time to... Yeah, it's uh, as you said, it's, it's kind of hard to really put a thing on it. I think the best you can do is obviously getting some sort of original SNES controller. And I don't only mean like, you know, the old 90s original SNES controllers. 
I mean, uh, I think people have found ways to make, for example, the Switch SNES controllers work, and they're very close and very good controllers. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a couple of other, you know, SNES um, classic controllers you can, with an adapter, also make work on a PC, stuff like that. It's probably, by the feeling alone, the closest you're going to get. Uh, then there's the 8-Bito and the iBuffaloes and stuff that you mentioned. And then I know people, you know, they swear by, oh, my PS4 controller has the best D-pad. I can't play without that. Or my Xbox One controller works wonderfully. Or, you know, it's just such a such a subjective thing, I think. Yeah. Indeed. Did, did we buy you enough time? Uh, yeah, they're still in stock. Uh, there's like only okay. there's three different models, but there's only one in stock still. So good luck if you want to buy one, go do it. They're going to sell and, out. And any thoughts on the uh, controller chat? So controllers, I mean, for me personally, because I play on a Super Nintendo, it's got to plug into that. Um, I think the Buffaloes on when I played uh, emulator, they were good. Uh, they broke. They broke very easily. I feel like they're very cheap. Um, and I, it's not that I mean, oh, Dante throws his controllers. He's such a bad person. <laughs> uh, it's more like every time. And I don't know. It could just be the way I had it sitting on my desk or whatever. But like I had two of them uh, in recent history, like like back to back, almost like get shorts in the wire. So like they mm. would just if, if, if the wire bent a certain way, like, you know, like me holding it in my hand, it would just disconnect. Mm. And I'd be like sometimes SOL. So, yeah, that sucks. Um, but um, uh, what I use on a day to day basis uh, is I have a RAFNET adapter, R-A-P-H net adapter, um, and it basically plugs into the Super Nintendo and I can plug my SNES Classic controller into it. The buttons on that are a little clickier. Um, you can't buy replacement rubbers. You have to just get lucky and find replacement controllers, unfortunately. Um and then just kind of harvest the rubbers out of those controllers. <laughs> but, um, Frankenstein. That's, yeah. Just that's, in time for Halloween. That's what I do. Uh, I use that. And whenever I run out of SNES classic controllers, I will cry. That's, that's the, the TLDR. Uh, I just want to quickly mention one thing before we uh, move on to the end here. Uh, I, and you as well, Tim, and a lot of other people love recommending iBuffalo controllers on the PC. Uh, one thing to mention is they've been discontinued since like 2019 maybe or something. Yeah. So they're increasingly hard to find. And if you find any on Amazon or whatever, they're like ridiculously pricey compared to what I got mine for way back in 2018. So I don't know if anyone has found any like, you know, price and quality wise uh, equivalents. The 8-bit dose are usually a little more expensive and there's some issues with them every now and again, you know, but uh, the iBuffaloes are probably going to be pretty hard to find. Gotcha. Yeah, I wasn't aware. I'm glad you uh, said something. All right. Well, uh, hopefully that was helpful to folks who have had questions about the different platforms, wondered if maybe they should make the leap into hardware, or, you know, anything like that. Uh, if you have any, you know, differing opinions, of course, as always, uh, join us in our Discord and let us know what you think. All right, so I uh, wanted to say thank you, speaking of our Discord, uh, to everyone who chimed in on the Is ALTTPR Too Hard conversation. Um, I was following along as it, as the chatter was happening, but I think there was probably something like 
700 messages on this topic <laughs> of people going back and forth, mainly debating the hovering topic that we discussed. Um, I just wanted to say two things. I promise I'm not going to jam this whole episode up with more chatter from from last week. But the first one is I do somewhat regret uh, kind of looping accessibility into a conversation about difficulty because I do think they're two very different things. Um, I think A Link to the Past randomizer is plenty accessible and that anyone can pick it up and play it. But I don't think just anyone can be competitive. And those are two very different Again, a conversation. So we should have done a better job of kind of not maybe like not even bringing up accessibility because it's kind of something else and maybe a topic for another day. But it is what it is. The other thing I'm going to uh, read an email that we received from uh, Matt Simon, who has emailed us before. And I think he really uh, summarized very well the kind of second thought that I had after we had recorded the episode. So Matt said, I empathize with Timp on the recent discussion of whether ALTTPR is too hard. I wrote in a few weeks back when Timp was out to ask about the potential for a glitchless tournament. As I explained at the time, it's the logic and the puzzle of each new seed that intrigues me and the reshuffling of a game I already love. Each new glitch that's discovered takes me further away from what drew me into Ranto. I've played a few dozen seeds on my own. I've never given much thought to joining the racing community because the glitch tech is a barrier to entry. Some are easy to learn, like fake flippers and IPPJ, but some I'll never learn, like hovering and spooky action. Maybe spooky action is actually easy to learn as well, and I just need to put in the time. But a month later, a new glitch like Diver Down will be discovered, and I'll have to put in the time for that. It's more that I want to keep up with. It's more than I want to keep up with for a 30-year-old game that hasn't changed intended mechanics in any way. Each new tech discovered pushes me a little further from racing. I'm probably an edge case for your audience. I even wait for the lamp before trying any non-Eastern darkroom. But I wanted to write in and give voice to support at least a part of what I think Timp was trying to get at. Maybe the question received a one-sided response from those already in the racing community, but I think the input you were seeking might be found in those outside of the community or watching from the fringes like me. And Matt, uh, absolutely, I have to say, you've hit the nail right on the head. I realized coming away from that conversation that the question that I really wanted to discuss that I couldn't quite figure out in the time was, is A Link to the Past randomizer too hard to be uh, welcoming to new people to get them excited about the game? Something obviously better worded than that. But the question I was kind of wondering is, um, if you know the barrier to entry, even at a casual level, is too high. Now, I think the problem is every single person listening to this podcast is probably going to say no because they're here right now. But I think it's a question of asking, do we want more people to know about A Link to the Past Randomizer? Should it be more kind of uh, uh, um, mainstream, I guess, for lack of a better word? And we've had that conversation a little bit. And it's its own completely full, uh, complicated topic that we could discuss. You know, how mainstream should this game be and do we want that? But I think that's kind of really what I should have been asking with that conversation is, you know, um, is it too complicated more than it, like, is it too hard? 
And uh, yeah, so and again, I, I didn't mean to get kind of too into this, but it definitely spurred a lot of conversation in our discord, um, which was all fascinating to read. So I really appreciate everyone kind of chiming in there. And a huge thanks again to Matt Simon for reaching out, sharing your thoughts and to anyone else out there who is kind of on the fringes of the racing community and maybe feeling intimidated. The, the last thing I'll say is just that, you know, that's one of the main reasons this pos- podcast was formed. Uh, there are a ton of, you know, there's also the mentor tournament that we formed. There's a ton of resources out there to help people get into it. And I think it's because we do all have this feeling that like, yeah, it's a little complicated. There's a lot to learn. That's why we as a community want to help you as much as possible, get up to speed so that you can enjoy, you know, racing with us and watching races and be a part of the active community. Um, so yeah, with that, I'll, I'll put it to bed right there. I'm not going to say any more about it, but in the interest of fairness, I will, uh, pass it over to my co-host. If you guys each want kind of a final word on this topic, I will I will grant you the time for that right now because I'm so nice. <laughs> well, thank you very much, but I think I'm okay. <laughs> awesome, Dante. I'm I'm fine too. I said I said my piece. Um, don't need to. I, don't, I I I'm long winded. I don't need to talk again. I I respect both of you immensely for being able to do that. It was more than I could. I, I had to, I had to talk more about it. Um, well, with that, we are at the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to number 85. Oh my God. We're getting really close to hundred. It's oh, absolutely baby. insane. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, we're on Twitter at go mode podcast. Of course you can join us on discord. You can also email us, email at go mode podcast.com. Um, you can watch me write music and lately practice cross keys, although I probably won't be doing a whole lot more of that after my race. Tim's going to be uh, in the next cross keys tournament. I can feel it. You know what? On it, like low key, like maybe a little bit. I, I actually really <laughs> like it. It's really fun. Uh, Twitch.tv slash tip underscore. I hadn't thought of a recommendation until literally this moment. And what I'm going to recommend is the following i'm going to <laughs> it's not coming <laughs> um, nice try skip me yeah skip, skip me I'll, I'll i'll have one in a second can i defer uh, yeah so hurt this up <laughs> great so suddenly it's my turn huh all right yeah. let me think uh do i have anything to recommend this week i saw the dune movie recently Ooh. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. I wish it wasn't a two-parter or that he just made like a seven-hour movie. <laughs> Dang, I, I really want to see it. I haven't seen it yet. It was good. It wasn't perfect. Uh, I still like the books better, but it wasn't a, a, a David Lynch fever dream. And <laughs> it was, you know, from what they could do and I think what he tried to do, uh, a pretty, pretty good adaption. I'm looking forward to part two. Nice. Dante, are you ready or am I up now? I, I just, my shout out is do speed gaming live. If you got races, just stick to the deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good shout out. I can get behind that. Um, yeah, you know, my shout out is cross keys. Uh, give it a try. It's not it's not as bad as you would think. The The thing that really tripped me up at first was not uh, taking the tracking as seriously as I should have been. Um, so setting up an auto tracker, I found to be immensely helpful because then you can just worry about entrances. 
right? So I, I encourage set up, setting up auto tracking and then you have to stay on top of those entrances because if there's even one where you're like, oh, that doesn't matter, I'll remember. No, you're going to forget it. And that's going to be the one that like leads you to mountain and now you've got mountain available, but you don't know it because you didn't keep track of it. So you, you got to track it's You got to keep your tracking. Uh, you got to keep your tracking strong. Track game's got to be on lock. Uh, that's my recommendation is play cross keys. So, um, oh, we lost Dante. Well, that's okay. We're pretty much at the end, honestly. Uh, we got his recommendation too. So, um, with that, I guess, uh, Herf, do you want to get us out of here? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think you've pretty much said everything that we've could. Uh, I'm not really sure where you're storing that thing that always gets us out of here. I'm not used uh, to this. Usually I've got it in here. Let me check. Let me. Okay. Here's a okay. shot. No, no, that's okay. Oh, you know what? It's in my fanny pack. Here we are. Okay. Yep. There, there it is. we are. All right. So how do we, how do you work this? We just look into it. Uh-huh. Okay. So let's, uh, all right. Okay. Is, okay. Did it happen yet? It, I think it happened. Uh, is this still the show, though? <laughs> I don't think so. Can, I think you listening, tell us if this is still the show or not. Are we, are still, we still here? Are we still here? Oh, uh, no. Let me. Okay, let me try. I think there's some magic words that go along with it. Okay. So let's go ahead and mirror out. Okay, I think that worked. Nice.